Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Este episodio de Salud Podcast es traído a ti por McDonald's, sirviendo orgullosamente a la comunidad desde 1965. Y uno de los recuerdos que más tengo guardados es cada viernes después de que mi madre nos recogiera a mí y a mis hermanos de la escuela, nos íbamos a McDonald's para nuestra cajita feliz. Ese momento al abrir tu cajita y ver el monito que te salía era de pura diversión. Y uno de los recuerdos que más me resuenan cuando me Acuerdo de McDonald's y por eso me encanta. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Salud Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Quintero. Y el día de hoy, no lo puedo creer, pero tenemos eh, una conversación que, la mera verdad, I just want to say, like, I've been so intrigued with this topic because it's so new to everybody. It's so new to myself. And I was on search on social media. I'm like, who do I talk to about uh, gordofobia and... Luckily, I messaged this person and I didn't think she was going to reply porque tiene un following in social media que yo dije, oye, no, no, pues no va a tener tiempo para mí, pero luckily, sí tiene tiempo para mí. I want to introduce Miriam de La Gorda Feminista. Hola, hola, Miriam, ¿cómo estás? Hola, 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 aquí estamos, aquí estamos para hablar de todo el cuerpo, body positive, etcétera, etcétera. Sí, a ver, cuéntanos un poquito. Tú, we're going to get into the little backstory. Tú estás ahorita en San Francisco. Is that where you're originally from? No, no, yo no. soy de Teotihuacán, Puebla, en wow. México. Uh -huh. But my mom, my mom was from Wisconsin. So okay. I identify, oh. my my label is that I'm a Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that's awesome. <laughs> Porque yo crecí en Teotihuacán, Puebla, like very Wisconsinite. Like oh, really? I grew up with like Paros. Tuna casserole. Because like it's to mama, right? Your mom like kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. Um, but I grew up in Mexico as well. So like my I grew up, you know, my dad was like a, an activist in the indigenous and human rights no field. Way. And so yeah, so I do live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh -huh. Um my roots kind of are like again, like central Mexico. I guess you could say central US because it's like uh -huh. Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Um, but California. It's just, this is the place I fell in love. This is the place where I realized you get to exist yes. as you are. Yes. So, yes, California, we are very liberal and we love everything, <laughs> which is why I love. I mean, I'm California, born and raised, so cowboy. Por eso te pregunto, oye, NorCal, ya sabes que hay como, un, no una rivalidad, but cierta rivalidad entre NorCal, sure. SoCal. Yeah, so sure, 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 sure. <laughs> it's not as 
it's not as I feel like in the activist world uh-huh. it's not as uh, okay. yes yeah in many nada. respects but like in the like yes we fight we organize like that like Berkeley was like my 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 uh-huh. first place where I landed and you know we we have all this like love for movement and oh my god getting organized. tell me why I got accepted into Berkeley but sentía que estaba muy lejos so I decided not to go <gasps> what I did, well it's because I didn't really research a lot of the colleges I just kind of applied porque obviamente mi familia no tenía mucho dinero recursos económicamente to you know uh, pay for school so I just had free waivers to apply for different universities UC Berkeley was one of the few that I applied up north porque dije ay un osito que bonito so I decided to apply and I got accepted but I was like like, wait, that's too far. So me fui algo más cerquitas. I don't regret it. Pero siempre, UCLA? I did not apply to UCLA because I think I was, uh, no conocía mucho del prestigio de UC Berkeley. Conocía más del prestigio, mm. obviamente, USC, UCLA. So I always thought of those schools as very unreachable. So I applied mm. to schools that I didn't really hear much about. Uh, and thinking like, oh, maybe I'll get into those because, I mean, I didn't have a bad GPA, pero como... As a yeah, first-generation yeah. college yeah. student, I didn't know anything. Entonces, apliqué las que no conocía muy bien. Y UC Berkeley was one of them, but I decided to go to Cal State San Bernardino. <laughs> I mean, it's all about getting somewhere, right? Like sí. going through a path and you never know what that looks like, you know? There's yeah. no one single path. Oye, hablando de past, talk to me about your path to the job that you do and lo que estás haciendo con tus proyectos actualmente porque estás en TikTok, estás en YouTube, estás en todos lados, you know, as an activist. Yeah, so this is, you know, um, so yo de, de profesión, so trabajo en, trabajaba en una editorial uh-huh. por like 15 años, a non-profit, you know, all about health, um, uh-huh. the idea that like, we have to be actors in our own health and like everybody can learn about health. I totally believe this. You can read articles and get educated and like be knowledgeable. Um, and so like writing is a big part of my work, but el activismo con la guarda feminista, this sort of like idea of like, we have a crisis in the world about how we, um, like, I mean, this whole discrimination against fat people, against fatness. Um, I know like we can have, like this can be very scary because people are like health, And yes, we can talk about that, but the centerpiece here is that we've constructed a world that discriminates against fat people. And we see it in health, we see it in politics, we see it in economics, we see it in jobs. In the United States, only one state guarantees that you cannot get fired because of your body size. Like, I mean, we're talking about a real discrimination, uh, systematic discrimination, right? So fat phobia, when people hear fat phobia, they're like, ah, yeah, no, es que es tu tía, tu pariente que te critica. No, we're talking about negligence, medical negligence. We're talking about not having the same opportunities. We're talking about not being able to be in the same spaces, public spaces. Um, and this is systemic. This is like not justified. No, it doesn't matter what you think about health. It is never justified to create systems that discriminate against people. And uh, and now, you know, now we have a whole lot more backing, like, you know, mm-hmm. Harvard University. All these big entities are saying like, hey, let's look at weight stigma. Weight stigma mm-hmm. causes diabetes. Weight stigma causes high blood pressure like why are we not talking we talk about weight but we don't talk about this very important thing about equity and justice you know and so especially for the latino community i feel yes. like the intersection of like gordophobia and like you know real really important uh discrepancies in how people receive care and racism and you know all these different things and so um so my activism around body positivity actually started like 10 years ago when i first moved into the bay area and i wanted to be part of like the 
you know, San Francisco has a big samba uh-huh. carnival in May. And I was like, I, I am a great, I dance amazing samba, you know, but I'm fat. And so every year it'd be like, Ay, why don't you do the dieta? Why didn't you do the faja? Why don't you do this to put the bikini? Until I realized I can wear the damn bikini mm. in my body. I can, I can dance in my body. Why can't I just be in my body? And so when I learn more about body positivity, it sounds new to a lot of people, but it's not new. Actually, yeah. body positivity starts in the 60s in the U.S. Um, it's more recent in Latin America and in Spanish-speaking circles, but it's like actually from the 60s. Like we're talking uh, like a really, really long time. And it's really an intersection of like not just like weight and people who want to, who say like all bodies should be accepted, you know, in all the different body sizes, but it's also about disability justice. It's about all kinds of justice, you know, like uh-huh. the idea that all bodies deserve to be valued. All bodies deserve to be seen. All bodies deserve the same rights. And uh-huh. that's kind of like the, the backing behind body positivity and my, my activism around that, the idea that I deserve to exist as I am. And I deserve the same rights as anybody else. Hear you talking. I hear you talk with so much confidence. Obviously, it's something that you've been building up for the past 10 years. And I'm a little nervous because I, since it's a new topic for me personally, um, I just don't know if I'm going to say the right thing. So bear with me. Correct me if you can. Please and thank you. Don't worry. Please don't worry. I feel like it's important to like, it's important to talk the way we talk, you know, like right or wrong. I feel like we have to kind of go through that. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this question. Para la gente, how do, is it okay? Porque tú estás usando la palabra gordo, gorda. Is it okay to use that term to refer well, to somebody? I mean, we cannot escape the fact that gorda has become an incredible insult, right? And yes, so no, it has we, a connotation. We it, yeah, we use it in very codified ways mm-hmm. to minimize and ridiculize people. However, the fat activism movement, the, the body positive movement reclaims the word mm-hmm. in the same way that many of the words that were used against people who were in the LGBTQI plus community were used against them and then they reclaim them, right? So mm. um, so some people, me included, we reclaim the word gorda and the word fat and we use it as it is, mm-hmm. an adjective. It describes my body. It does not have to signify my body is less. Um, however, I mean, I, I feel like it's important as with many things that people identify in themselves, like, you know, if people don't identify as fat, then maybe don't use that word with them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it, like, it don't, I feel like it's important to continue to normalize the use of this word in a positive way. I, that's part of my activism. Hence me llamo la gorda feminista. Right. Uh-huh. I want to make it normal. I want to be able to read a book that says gorda and not have this, like, <gasps> what does that mean? Right. Like yeah. the same way you read tall or short or this. Right. Um, but I think it really depends on who you're with. It depends on like what relationship you have. It always depends on what the person you're talking with identifies as. So if gorda is not a thing they identify with, then maybe don't use those words because that's not something that they yet have the activism around that. But I personally really do believe, and like, you know, in my, cuando la gente vaya a mi página en la Guardia Feminista, I talk a lot about crianza body positive. I want to raise my kid knowing that all bodies of all kinds are good bodies and amazing bodies. And so for me, it is important that my child grow up hearing gorda in fat in a very positive way. There's just a description of a body type and it's okay. It's okay to exist. Like people exist who are fat, people exist who are not fat and it's okay to use those words. So for me, for my kid, I'm teaching him that, but 
always be thoughtful about who you're talking with, you know? Yeah, you mentioned uh, earlier about gordofobia. Lo que se enfoca la gordofobia basically is like bringing this consciousness and awareness on... Ya ves, ya me estoy equivocando porque I'm trying <laughs> to... No, 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 en español, inglés. Ahí va en español. Creo que en español no me confundo más. O sea, no okay. me voy a confundir más. La gordofobia son las actitudes, las acciones, las políticas, los sistemas que tratan a las personas gordas como menos, como inferiores. Give us some of those examples. Yeah, so we often talk about it in three ways. Internalized, gordofobia mm. interiorizada. It's sort of the message you have absorbed in yourself that fat bodies are less, that fat bodies are bad, that fat bodies are not good. And you, a lot of the self-harm of like eating disorders comes from that, right? A lot of that fear of the fat body. And then we have gordophobia interpersonal, interpersonal mm. uh, fat phobia. And that's like what you experience, like a lot of people who are fat who are listening to this, you've lived it, right? Yeah, your tia constantly talking about your weight, the doctor mm. constantly talking about your weight, in the street, people harassing you for your weight. I mean, like, again, I, I want to remind people, this is a real discrimination people are living, that we should not, there is no validity to any belief that, that believes people are less. And then the last one that we talk, often talk about is institutional institutionalized fat phobia, gordophobia institu institutionalizada, meaning the ways that the world has been built mm. to exclude fat people. And often, this is the question, that, that's like that one fire that I have, you know, this idea, for example, did you know that birth control was not tested on women who have larger bodies, which actually represents the majority of the U.S. population? And so it does not work. Plan B does not work on fat bodies. Over 160 pounds, that's not even that fat, wow. right? So like 160 pounds is like, I don't know, like it's not, it's not a lot, right? No. And it does not work because what? They were not tested. They were not part of the testing process, right? Like we are excluded from these systems. Like for example, MRI machines have a certain weight limit. And so like what happens is like people say fat bodies have more cancer, but it turns out fat bodies are not getting diagnostic tests to catch cancer, you know? And so like, these are questions that we have to be asking. Like, how did we build this world that excludes fat bodies, especially in the U.S.? Like, let's talk about the U.S. Uh -huh. In the U.S., 70% of the population is considered, and we don't like to use these terms because they're very pathologized, estigmatizantes, uh -huh. but like overweight or obese. Just 70%. We're not talking about a minority, okay? And so it's really important that we talk about justice and equity when we talk about these things. Like, like vaccines. Did you know that people that have fatter bodies need to have Uh, needles that are bigger and they are trained to use bigger needles but if you don't request it you might not get it therefore you might not get a vaccine that actually is put in your body in a way that helps your body right like no these are really big questions right uh -huh. why do chairs have arms and so it means like only certain kinds of bodies can fit in chairs and now you see it more like my doctor's office has bigger chairs my yeah. doctor's office doesn't weigh me when I go in because it doesn't matter how much I weigh. It matters that I move my body, that I eat nutritiously, that I have all these other things. Like my weight as an as a item line does not matter as much as encouraging me in a positive way to have 
activities that promote my health. Is know? that something that you had to talk to your doctor about, <laughs> like about body positivity? Because I'm assuming that we have a lot of doctors and therapists who are listening, and that's something that they automatically go with with their patients and they tell them like, hey, if you're suffering from depression, maybe you want to lose and a little bit of weight, or if you want to have a more active lifestyle, or hey, cuando vas a ver al doctor y, y, y vas por, por un problema de la cabeza, un problema, un oh, raspón de la mano, y dicen, oye, by the way, have you you know considered losing some weight yeah so we call this the it's called the weight-centered health paradigm and it means that everything centers around weight however now we have other other philosophies other paradigms that are showing how how damaging first of all centering everything on weight has not resulted in any country in the world mm. reducing the weight of their population so so it's not succeeding in that way okay so focusing on weight has not succeeded in getting people to be weightless. So, okay, that's an issue that we should look at that. Um, but also focusing on weight has meant an increase in weight stigma. And now, as I said, Harvard, Yale, UCLA are looking at the impact of weight stigma and how weight stigma is related to diabetes and all these other mm. health problems that we associate only with weight. So we clearly need to talk about these things. With my doctor, definitely I was, I have said, I'm not going to get weighed, but now mm. they've gotten training, right? Because what happened, happens is that if you go, and this happens a lot to las comunidades latinas, like everybody who's listening, yeah. you go to the doctor and if you're like, tengo vertigo, this has happened to me, tengo vertigo, and they say you should lose weight, I'm not going to go back. I mm. might not get treatment until later, regardless of like whether they give me treatment, right? A lot of the times with, with medical fat phobia is that they delay treatment for people. They say you should lose weight before mm. you get treatment. And I feel like that is exactly the the inequality we're talking about because people often don't get the treatment that they need for something that they're experiencing. Um, so yes, I definitely talked to my doctor. Um, there's definitely more information because like there's now this paradigm. So here's the weight centered health paradigm. Mm -hmm. The other paradigm that como combatiendo yeah. is called health at every size and health at every size means we can promote health. We can support people. Like you said, moving their body, eating more nutritiously, you know, managing their stress, sleeping. We can do all those things and never change people's weight and that can improve their health. And so when we remove the weight conversation, people are happier. People feel good. People go to the doctor. People, all these things are true. And so it is clear that we're like, como estamos llegando a un epicentro, donde like, you know, like there are lots and lots and lots and lots of studies that have proven the effectiveness of the health and every size paradigm as well as there's lots and lots of studies that have proven otherwise, right? Like this is like a, como yeah. un balance, ¿me entiendes? Yeah. Um, and so, but also for the Latino community, we have to talk about poverty. We have yeah. to talk about inequality. We have to talk about, okay, people tell you, don't eat this, don't eat that. And like people work free jobs. Like where are they going to eat? You know, yeah. like if you don't talk about those things or in, you know, este in Santa Ana, they say kids should go run outside. ¿Dónde están los parques? Right? Mm. Like we have to really talk about those conversations that are more systemic. That's because that's just saying like one conversation for one person, don't do this, like oh doesn't actually result in anything. However, I, and I, I mean, I really think that this, for me, the conversation is this. We have proven that for 40 years that we've had this, you know, this battle against fat bodies, we have not succeeded in anything that was supposedly the goal of this, having people weigh less, having people have better health. So we need something different, right? And, the, and I think the health at every size paradigm is really the next thing, you know, this idea of like, and that's what I do in La Gorda Feminista. I have this section called Bocaditos de Movimiento. It's all about 
let's move weight out of the conversation. Let's not talk about weight or body or whatever. Let's talk about moving for your mental health, moving because it feels good, moving because, you know, like it helps you manage your stress. Like these are really important things that actually have proven, we have proof that that like people have better relationships with movement when they don't think about weight, you know? And so like that is kind of like the epicenter of this. And especially, yeah, I feel like the weight stigma part, like the idea of like we go to the doctor and we feel discriminated at the doctor's office, that's guilt and blame has never been a point of of positive change Mm -hmm. in the world, you know? So we must remove that from the conversation. Yeah, one of the things just to play devil's advocate because you're saying we should be promoting health and whatnot, but yo sé que mucha gente maybe listening is probably like, okay, if we're focusing on health and nutritious foods and moving our body, then why wouldn't that uh, in turn cause a weight reduction in a bigger person? Ooh, ooh yes, this is, the, this is the fantastic question. So we have um, now proven that uh, weight loss is actually almost impossible. So like 95% of the people who uh, do a weight loss regimen will gain all that weight back at five years. Okay. okay? People who are listening here know because if you try to diet, yeah. you did the diet and you gained the weight. Rebote. You did the diet and you did it. This is actually, actually a marvelous thing about our bodies, okay? The science of our bodies is that they, the body responds to any restriction caloric restriction with saying, oh, oh, we're going into starvation. We should actually save more calories. And if anybody wants to look up the incredible study that was done um, on The Biggest Loser, I don't know if you've mm, ever yes. heard of the show, The Biggest Loser, but they did a study about what happened to people. And they discovered that for every single person that had this incredible weight loss, their metabolism slowed down like way more than you can ever imagine. They will never mm. be able to regain that weight loss. And so oh um, but what's really scary about um, these practices around weight loss is that, yes, 95% of the people regain all the weight, but this is what's really scary. 75% of the people gain more weight. Oh, wow. And so now we have all these theories, people who are studying, people study this. Like I'm not making this up. I'm not just like activists doing this. Uh-huh. People are thinking that the reason why in the last 40 years we've actually become fatter in this country could be traced back to dieting. Because if you have a population that 75% of people regain more weight, then they do another diet. 75% of people gain more weight and another diet. And some of the biggest studies um, actually from UCLA show that the biggest predictor of weight gain in the future is having done a diet. So, so yes, like this is the thing, weight loss. I know this is really hard to say because people get really upset about it because we are sold all these diets and exercise. I'm saying like, we know that movement is good for health, Mm -hmm. but studies show that on the long run, it's not the best way of losing weight. So when we focus only on weight, we miss out on creating regular relationships with movement. Does that make sense? No. And so like, yes, like there might be some unintentional weight loss when you change your, your, your Your health. That that is true. The thing to pay attention to is, are you changing habits in your life that are going to be sustained for the rest of your life? And if you cannot do that, which actually humans, we cannot, do that, (laughs) 
um, then you risk this thing of like el rebote, right? Ese rebote, now we call it weight cycling. This is an mm. actual term. And guess what is related to weight cycling? What? Diabetes, heart disease, metabolic changes. So like we're seeing that there's all these things happening that are related to these behaviors around weight loss. Now, I, if you're hearing me and you're like, oh my gosh, that means no more diets. It means we can have better nutrition and better movement and not move the dial in the weight part and still have incredible gains in health. So I have a question. That is the piece. So as a personal trainer and as a nutritional coach, uh, I'm pretty sure you're always like sometimes debating with different personal trainers, nutritional coaches que les dicen a sus clientes, oye, diets, esto es lo que tienes que comer. I've always had the perspective of having a good relationship with food. And this is where I would want you to come in and kind of correct me. Y si es lo que debería de yo estar haciendo. Porque pues al final de cuenta, gente me busca because they do want to lose some weight. And I say, well, I want you to have a healthy relationship with food. I don't want you to think as food as being good or bad. If you want to have a slice of pizza, eat that slice of pizza. At the end of the day, it's how you're feeling, si te estás moviendo, and the portions control that you're having para el cuerpo que tú quieres obtener. Pero que, que sea porque tú lo quieres obtener, no porque you see a billboard, you see a magazine, you see your favorite telenovela star. And the reason I say it is because I was the gordito in my family. I've always been the gordito hasta que yo mismo me puse las pilas y dije, pues yo lo voy a hacer por mí porque yo quiero, no porque nadie más me lo está pidiendo. I, I guess you could say I, I experienced some of that same, ay, ¿cómo? Ya, ¿Ya se me olvidaron the interpersonal gordofobia? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cuando yo iba a México y yo me sentía seguro, me te llevaba mi Aeropostal shirt, my Hollister shirt, y ay, mijo, te ves más llenito que el año pasado. No, hombre, qué bueno que me traje una extra large y, no, y me quito esta large because it'll make me feel a little bit more comfortable. So uh, I, I guess where I'm going with this is going back to the nutritional coaching and the personal training. It's sort of like, should I be focusing more on... Obviamente, si tienen un problema como diabetes, heart problem y todo eso, go to a dietitian, go to your doctor. I hope they can help you porque yo nomás aquí lo básico, uh, suggesting food, but it's having that positive relationship with food. Absolutely. I mean, I think, well, I mean, what you describe is sort of what now we're learning is called like uh, intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. um, when we are able to really, when we're not in a diet situation, when we're able to like eat when we're hungry, stop when we're full, that's the goal, right? Our body we forget, like our body is incredible. I mean, like people think of fat as just this extra thing you have, but the fat actually communicates with your brain and it gives signals of like fullness, satiation, desire, all these things, right? Uh, what we want is to go back to that. We want to be able to trust our bodies around food. And I agree, I think that, I think the longevity of having a healthy life involves in having like, having it be real for you. I mean, especially for the Latino community, like now we have a lot of people who are in the nutrition sphere saying like, mm -hmm. hey, let's question this idea that when you go to the doctor, they tell you to eat kale. Like uh, if like Latinos don't eat kale, tell them, help them eat in their way that they can in their... Los nopalitos. I mean, lo que sea, right? Like hay muchas cosas, right? But like we need to have more culturally aware care uh, for all these things, especially, I mean, for diabetes care, the reason we have a lot of people who are not controlling their diabetes is because they go to the doctor and they're told these things that they cannot manage in their lives. And so we need like the, the conversation around health at every size 
is in fact that if you remove weight from the conversation, you can then focus on these things. How do I help you mm. create, like, how does this become real? Like, what do you eat? Okay, you eat 10 tortillas. Okay, let's, we can, you can eat 10 tortillas, you know, like, but what can you add? What can you add in this conversation? What can you, what other fruits and vegetables can you add or, you know, protein, all these different things. However, for you, I would actually invite you to do, I mean, I, did, I do think that there's something really transformative and there's a lot of people in the physical activity, como yeah. no sé cómo le dicen, in español, como uh-huh. like, in todo ese espacio, who are like now reading the articles and being like, hey, hey, let's see, let's see. You know, because if there's any rebote, we still, we still judge the person for the rebote, but now we know it is actually a physiological response that happens. It's like mm-hmm. your body is trying to fight against this. So, um, and I mean, there, I, I wouldn't be happy to send you like my list of resources because it. one of them is this podcast that I actually recommend. It's called Maintenance Face. And they look at all this data, right? They're like, how did we be, how did we decide that 2000 calories was the norm? Oh, did yeah. you know how? No, it wasn't, but it wasn't science. It was like, you should really listen to the, it's like, they were self-reported how much, cal- how many calories people ate. And then they decided, eh, let's make this, this amount. No and, then, and that's yeah, that, well, that's what's on all our labels in our foods. So this goes back to gordophobia. When we start questioning why things have been created this way, why do we focus on weight only? Has that been successful? Has that worked for people? Has it had, you know, like when you start really questioning, are these approaches working and you realize they're not, then you say like, why do we continue for 40 years doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I mean, like for, for me, body positive, if people get really upset, they're like, es que promueves la gordura. Uh-huh. And I'm like, look, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this. Fat people exist. Uh-huh. Fat people can be healthy. We can talk about all kinds of things. But the one thing that's really important is people, when they feel good about themselves, they do things that help their health. And when people don't feel good about themselves, and we have also, look it up, there's research. When people feel bad, como dices, que vas a México. That's called body shaming. Mm-hmm. We do it so much in our communities. And that's one of the things that I talk about in La Guardia Feminista. It's like, it is not okay. It is not okay to constantly comment about someone's body or what they're eating or their clothes. That is violence. Let's talk about it that way because it's not como un chistecito que te dijeron allá mm-hmm. en México. Porque... For many people, it has long, like long, 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 long lasting impacts to their health and their well-being, you know? Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. You do it all without breaking a sweat. Like being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to homework. Why do the kids have so much homework? Family dinners, lunches, brunches, trips to the vet, and a weekend getaway that's anything but a getaway. And you do it all in style. Even when you have back-to-back conference calls on top of the kids' orchestra recitals, not to mention your side hustle. That's why we created the fully reimagined Infiniti QX60. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. With premium features like a panoramic moonroof, ample cargo space, and available massaging front seats to bring the ease of luxury to your everyday. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to help you take on life and all the chaos it may come with, in style. Learn more at InfinityUSA.com. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. 
And I was shocked uh, speaking about health and uh, fatter people or bigger people. Ya ves, me da un poquito de nervio decir la palabra. But sí, I, sí, sí, fat people. Personas gordas. Personas gordas. Sumo wrestlers are some of the healthiest people. And they're, they're bigger people. I mean, we're, let's not even get into like BMI. Okay, so because BMI, the body mass index, there's a lot of people who have questioned this, the, mm -hmm. the structure of BMI. Um, and the reason why we question it is because it has, I think that what Harvard University says is like it underdiagnoses thin people. So some thin people mm -hmm. are not getting the care for a lot of things because we assume their health from their size. And it's overdiagnosing fat people. There are a lot of people, and like from UCLA as well, studies that are really significant that say like 50% of people who are categorized under BMI as overweight or obese are metabolically healthy, right? Yeah. So um, again, like when you just remove that one thing, you can then create a lot. And yes, I mean, I feel we still see a lot of health problems related to bigger body size. But because we also see it with, more stigma, bigger mm. size, more stigma, right? Like these things go together. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, parte de lo que a mí me, que me llena mucho de energía es esto. Like, si me estás escuchando and you're the person that is criticizing your prima or primo or whatever, this is something you can stop. And if yeah. you're a person that you're listening to this and you hear it from someone else, you can be an interrupter. You can go and say like, that's not okay. It's not okay to constantly criticize people because actually... This is un secreto. But actually, the people who live in environments that are constantly attacking them for their body size actually have uh, higher weight and have more disordered eating in their, in, in like uh, just a bad relationship with their bodies and movement. So if you really care about someone's health, literally stop talking about their bodies. Yeah. Y, y hemos creado una cultura donde la. Uh, la gordura es sinónima a unhealthy y la delgadez es sinónima a being healthy. And it could be the complete opposite. Yeah. I always invite people, you know, when, porque la gente repite esas cosas, pero después dices, a ver, ve a tu familia. Mm -hmm. Ve a tu familia. En tu familia tienes gente que siempre ha sido gorda, gente que siempre ha sido flaca, gente que ha estado siempre enferma o no enferma. Like, we have this diversity. This is the truth. Diversity is the norm. And so when we repeat this, like, sort of statements, we're we're going against what we see in our own lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Por ejemplo, mi familia, desde mi abuelo, literally we all have the same body type. <laughs> it's sort of amazing. Yeah. It's the same body type. Um, and so when people, for example, I stopped dieting six years ago and like, I just stay in this weight. It's just like, you know, yes, sometimes like maybe, you know, we went, we did a lot or whatever. Like yeah, I didn't yes, move yes, as yes. much, but like my body, this is its set point. It come, comes back to this weight. Um, but when I was able to like be happier in that existence and like being, I merezco existir, merezco saber que yo estoy bien. I have like, I literally, I'm at 41 and I'm, I move more than I have ever moved in my life. I, I mean, it's just like, it's incredible what it does to feel good about yourself. Yeah. At what point or what was the breaking point? El parte de aguas que te empoderaste because I hear this accepting that I wish a lot of people, uh, you know, had that self-profound confidence like you do. What, what, what was that breaking point for you? I mean, I've always had it. And I always talked a little bit about like I grew up in a feminist home. So mm -hmm. I always knew, even though society has told us that we are not worthy. I always knew that I was. I think uh, there are a couple of things. One, 
is starting to follow people who are have different body sizes, not only fat people, but different body sizes and being like, like sort of opening your mind that people are happy and healthy. And it doesn't matter. Like health, health should not be a reason we discriminate against people, right? Because there's people who are unhealthy and have you know illnesses and we should not create a system where we think it's okay to discriminate against anybody for that. Um, so definitely following people was the first thing. The second thing was like, actually, when you understand how the publicity industry like tries to sell us things, right? Like as woman, if you're, if you're listening and you're a woman, you're like, you know, mm-hmm. they told you your hair, if it's straight is bad. If it's curly is bad. Your skin, if it's white is bad. If it's brown, it's, like everything is bad, right? And so when you start realizing like no one around you feels happy about themselves, like if you really think about it, like, tell me who in your family like actually feels like I'm happy with myself. And like, when you look at that, you're like, how can that be? Yeah, you know, especially though. women. Yeah. Especially women. Ninguna. Porque si es que la uña, que si la piel, que si la arruga, it's always something, right? And for me, knowing, being like, being able to step back and be like, yo, life is short. Life mm-hmm. is short. We deserve to be and exist, right? And then for me, the, sec- the third stage was like really educating myself about like, when you start questioning diet culture and the idea that like, you know, when's the next diet? When's the next diet book? What's the next yeah. thing? Now we eat all protein. Now we eat all vegetables. Now we only eat this. Right? Like that cannot, it's like impossible to believe that that is true. And you really start to question those things and you, your mind is blown. I mean, it's like, la cabeza. Yeah. and the last thing for me is like, I, you know, I was sharing recently about like my first activism around discrimination was, a, you know, with the LGBTQA plus community and the idea of like, why have we built a world that discriminates against people because of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of la base for me because it's the same. I know we want to think that fatness and fat bodies are like choices, mm. but the science has proven this on and on and on. It's like 75% of it is genetic. Yes, you can do a lot of things in your personal thing. You should, mm. but it might not impact your weight, your you know your base baseline of your weight. And so when you learn these things and you're like, hey, like let's live life, let's move, let's exercise. And now that I am a mom, I'm like, I want my kid to grow up knowing that all the, todo lo que lo hace él, todo lo que hace su único, su cuerpo, that he is okay. Whatever he is, he is okay. And I want, I really want that for myself, but I want it for every personita in yeah. my life, you know? Speaking about kids y la comunidad latina, ¿cómo la sociedad, o sea, desde pequeño, entrena a los niños para asimilar y normalizar la gordofobia? Sí, y es que está en todo. Mira, yo también hago en TikTok una serie que se llama Representación Gorda sobre lo que, lo que vemos en películas, ¿me entiendes? No me he metido en la película de los niños, aunque es un dato interesantísimo de que todos los villanos y villanas en las películas de Disney son gordas y gordos. Mm. Like, we don't think about those things, but why? Why does that have to be the case, right? And mm-hmm. so, en todas partes está inmiscuido en la forma en que hablamos de la comida, right? Like, like, this is good, this is bad, right? So if someone eats this, then they're a bad person. And if someone eats it, they're a good person. And we can eliminate those things. Food yeah. have nutrients and we can talk about juicy fruit and delicious fruit, but like, we don't have to say like good or bad. Um, for me, because my family is fat and I want my kid to know that that is okay. I want him to see me move and I want him to see me have joy. Um, you know, like I make, I had, there's so many books in English. Honestly, I, I, one of the books that I recommend is called all bodies are cool. And again, it's not just about fat bodies. It's about people that have different kinds of bodies, different kinds of hair. And so 
Um, pero I do think that esta gordofobia familiar en las comunidades latinas is one of the topics that people invite me to talk about a lot mm -hmm. because I mean, I don't have all the answers. I, I, I know now we have studies that people who research like the origins of fat phobia. Um, and so I highly recommend a book called The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia, Fearing the, the Fat Body. And it talks about how when we started, you know, tratando a las personas negras, you know, llevándonas yeah. de su país, we justified that violence through creating all kinds of language around bodies that were different, especially bigger bodies. Um, and so in Latin America, I think there's some studies about how the colonialismo really impacted the violence, you know, this, eh, como ejercer esta sí. violencia hacia las personas. Para mí eso es like, I want to call this out. I want to be like, if you're body shaming, fat shaming, anybody in your family, that is violence. Like, I want to yeah. talk about it that way because... Because we, especialmente tú, I mean, quienes están escuchando, ya sabes que siempre te la apodo, ¿no? Sí. El gordo, la flaca, el moreno, la bla, bla, bla. And if you call it out, people are often like, ay, ay, ustedes que siempre sí. estés, sorry, my, my, my husband is Colombian, so they're talking to usted, ustedes bien, no sé qué, right? Es but it's like, yo, fresco. like, we're breaking cycles here. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but like, uh, we're not doing, we're not doing whatever was done before. Like, we need to be interrupters of something that actually, I want to, I want you to hear this. If you take anything from this is like body shaming is related to like really, really harmful behaviors for people and, and harmful futures for people. So there's just like no positive. You will not make someone lose weight because you body shame them. So like literally like just, just, Like, I know I repeated myself, no. but like, just stop. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to ask, like, how, pones estas how do you confront a family member, especially like your mom and your tías, who for years you've had <laughs> respect, y te dicen la gorda, o te están comentando, and, and you know they don't say it with bad intention, but you also want to correct them and be like, hey, that's not cool anymore, you know? I mean, yeah, I know, aguantas vara, or, yeah. you know? It's also remembering that this is a violence that they experience, right? That yeah. they're replicating the damage that they have experienced. So, I mean, I always say with, with comentarios gordofóbicos and like, you know, gordofobia en la familia is like you have to kind of judge where you are and what you, what you can do, right? Like if you, if you, if it's going to create a big battle for you, then maybe that's not, maybe you just choose not to spend as much mm. time with that person. I know that's really hard for our Latino community, right? Because we want to be in family, but Um, you know, I always say like, there's always opportunities to learn. There's always opportunities to share. There's always opportunities to say like how it harms you, right? Like I always invite people to kind of also talk about ways that they have been harmed by this. Like sometimes it's mm. like just remembering that like, como te decían a ti la gorda or como, right? You know, like these things were like touching on the pain that they have felt might remind them of the pain that they, if other people feel. And for me, I mean, really reminding them of like, this is harming. Like if you want me to lose weight, For sure, what you're causing me is to gain more weight, right? Like yeah. by shaming me. So like, um, but anyways, I really think that what's important is like know what, who you're talking with. Decide, are you going to educate? Are you going to talk about it? Are you going to be like, I'm not talking about it with you? Are you going to like not spend as much time with people who are being gordophobicos towards you? These are all choices you have to make in your family. I, I get a lot of messages from 13-year-old kids who are like, wow. my mom is constantly telling me my, my belly is fat. And now, for example, I'm getting ready to give a training kind of on eating disorders, on the role that parents have, not as a blame, like just like we can both be people who encourage eating disorders on people, which I want to I want to say this eating disorders is the number number one, number two, depending with addiction, cause of death wow. for mental illness in the U.S. 
So these are not like como que alguien no come or whatever. Like these are real serious mental health problems that we as parents, we can help reduce the risk for our people, right? Or we can promote the risk for people, right? If we constantly attacking people or telling them not to eat or, yes, you know, todas esas relaciones con la comida, we have a real impact in, in the way that people relate to their bodies and relate to food. And, um, and I mean, I, I can know that for like a lot of Latino families, this is like, this is periphery. Like they don't, they're like, that's not important for them. But I think, so one role is like, if you're the person experiencing the gordophobia, but also this is the other invitation. I do believe in being interrupters of gordophobia. As I said, as we learn more, as you educate yourself more, as you, as you like find out, you're like, shit, this is not a good, oh, sorry, wait. I'm oh yeah, you can cuss. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, but just the idea of like, how much harm is caused by body shaming. We can be the people who like, if we hear it, you know, que la tía le dice a la prima, you know, all these different things. We, kids don't only learn from like what we say, right? They learn from what we're doing. So like, if we can be people that model happy relationships, if we can be people that like interrupt gordophobia, if we can be like that one person that the kid knows is like accepts them fully, um, I feel like that's an invitation. However, like, I mean, hay gente que no va a cambiar en tu vida. Yo, por ejemplo, para mí, mi epicentro es mi suegra. Uh -huh. I'm like, if I can change my suegra, I can change anybody. But I haven't, right? Like, but I still give a lot of boundaries. And I say, like, in my house, we don't talk about food this way. In our house, we don't talk about bodies this way. In my house, we are body positive. We're fat positive. We talk about bodies in a positive way. And, you know, she doesn't love it, but she accepts that there are these boundaries. But that's for me. Like, I have a privileged life. Yeah. And my suegra is in New York and I am in California, right? Um, I, I think there's different ways of addressing this. And so I, it really comes down to people, like, knowing their families and knowing what they can achieve with their families. Wow. Right now that you're mentioning all this, the first thing that comes to my mind and is you're, you're like, literally narrating scenarios, the image that comes to my head, and I'm trying to figure out how I can address this. And, and it's unfortunately porque es para mi sobrinito, so my cousin's son. So my cousin's always been on, I, I don't want to say he está llenito y todo eso, pero siempre le gustaba el ejercicio y, y, y quiere inculcar eso con sus hijos. Unfortunately, one of his, his daughter, the youngest daughter, she's thinner. His son, who's a little bit older, he's on the bigger side. So he overtrains him all the time. He tells him not to eat certain foods. He catches him eating certain foods. Lo regaña. A veces el pobre niño se tiene que ir a esconder detrás de nosotros para comerse una galleta. And it's like, how do you address it to a 10-year-old that this is okay that you're eating? And unfortunately, it's like, no me puedo y no me quiero meter porque al final de cuentas, yo no soy su papá. Absolutely. And I'm, it, I'm having a hard time because I actually, I've just read a, a case in, I think it's like New Jersey about a father who, who overtrained his son because of fat phobia mm -hmm. and, um, and the kid died from being wow. overtrained. And so and I'm not saying that for your family, but I'm saying no. like, but it's um, powerful I mean, and what true. you describe for me, like I have not been able to recover from this because it's the idea of like, we have so much this profound hatred of fat bodies that we are willing to harm kids for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, what you describe also is already sounds a little bit like a disordered eating relationship that your your My nephew, he's nephew 10 years has. old. And so I feel like ways that you can help. I mean, of course, you can never inter, you know interfere with a parent-child relationship. But I do think, I do believe in the power of the one adult, you know, yeah. the power, like, especially because you are a person that is in that field as well. 
um, of create of helping be like, hey, come te, te gustó tu galleta? Like being able to like being able to enjoy food mm-hmm. actually is related to like eating healthier, right? Because you're not like I always talk about my me. me mi esposo, when I met him, he also had very disordered eating and he'd be like, no podemos comprar galletas porque si, me, si está la caja de galletas, me la va a comer toda, right? And yeah. now we have like 15 cajas de galletas because we can, he can eat one, right? Because as soon as you remove that, like, I cannot, you know, there's binge eating. It's basically yeah. binge eating when you, yeah. when you like, I cannot eat this, so I'm going to eat all of them, right? Um, then people end up eating in a healthier way. So, I, I, I have compassion for, for your, for your, for this relationship. And I think as I do believe in like the idea of like you being the person who yeah. can maybe like, not como contrarrestar, not being like your father is wrong, but like, mm-hmm. how do you create a body positive space for him? How do you create a food, you know, a intuitive eating and a, like a, just a very natural food space for him. And when yeah. you're with him, you know, And, um, and that could be a lot of things It could be like, yes, having different kinds of food in your home and yes, like, you know, going out to spaces where he can feel free and happy with his body. And yes, I do believe in using words and being like, your body is good. You are good. Like these Mm. things, like, you know, like it's so people remember, people tell me like this, there was like, me llega gente de como 60 años que me me puede decir like con exactitud the way that their mom told them that their body was fat when they were eight. You know, like wow. these are really, th- people carry this for the rest of their lives. But I do see also people who are like, pero llegó tal persona y me dijo tal persona y tal persona me apoyó. And so like, you can be that person for him. You know, you can be the person that creates a body positive space when you're with him. What are some body positive phrases that we can use towards others? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think like all bodies are good. People get really riled up by this, but uh-huh. I, I feel like it's a, such a frontier, but like bodies are good. All bodies are good. Your body is good. All bodies are valid. Your body is valid. Body diversity exists. Look around you. Look, yeah. look around you. Look how, how many. I mean, I think it's kind of it's kind of nice to remember. Like, look at us. How different yeah. our bodies are. We just in two people. Just two people. We can see so much diversity. Let's talk about diversity and celebrate diversity. Um, some of the pieces that I talk about, crianza body positive, often involve like. Being able to talk about, like, for example, disability. Let's talk about disability in a body positive way, right? Like, let's talk about all these different things in a body positive way. I think for food, I feel like it's good to, like, it's good to, like, first of all, get a little train on uh-huh. intuitive eating and learn how to say, like, yeah, you want to talk about food, like, oh, that juicy orange or that, like, crunchy cucumber. Like, being able to describe food in ways that, like, make it, like, real yeah. for people versus good and bad. Um, movement. I feel like a body positive relationship to movement is like, let's move our body. Like I just recently shared a video. We're going to share a video about this, but like with my son, like on Wednesdays, we do like a little circuit training, my husband and I, and I was like, Ay, es que me tengo que apurar porque tengo que ir a hacer ejercicio. And uh-huh. I corrected myself and I said, no, quiero ir a hacer ejercicio. Entonces me voy a, voy a, me voy a apurar para poder, porque yo quiero ir a hacer ejercicio. Mm. It's different to say tengo que hacer ejercicio versus quiero hacer ejercicio. Right? Yeah, like, it's more like a task versus a hobby. Or just like, I, I want to move my body. Yeah. Like this is like a good way of, you know, there's no punishment. There's no like negativity to it. It's just that I want to move my body. So we have to live, we have to live the body positive life too, you know? And we, and also, I mean, and the biggest key is like, don't criticize people's bodies. You can talk about, it. I mean, I talk about esa persona es gorda, esa persona es delgada o alta o baja. It's okay to name and describe because kids see difference. We all see difference. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to say and put associate value to that. Like, right. Yeah. Like 
that person is less because they're this or this or this, right? Um, and so like kind of being able to practice that ourselves, you know, yeah. yes, get educated. Yes. See more diversity, talk more about diversity and get these books. Honestly, like there's a lot of books that talk about diversity in all kinds, the body diversity, especially, and, and get them, get, get your kids around you to like acknowledge that they are part, they are part of a bigger world and they get to exist as they are, you know? Mm-hmm. In your studies, uh, in your research that you've done and in the readings that you've done, what do you see uh, in La Gordophobia and also the gastric bypass surgeries that people tend to get as a fast solution because of society viewing them less than? Yeah, gastric bypass surgery is actually a big topic of conversation because um, because studies that, that look at like impacts after 10 years, I mean, mm. the numbers are really really hard to stomach, you know, no pun intended. But I mean, like increases, you know, first of all, people will be malnourished for the rest of their lives. That's crazy to think that we would rather have someone be thin and malnourished than fat and healthy. Okay. And and that's a crazy dichotomy, right? That we like, we create the sense of like urgency around fat bodies. But if some people are are, like, are fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I also believe that we should manage people's symptoms and people's health problems without weight loss because that we weight loss is actually really, really, really hard. It's not actually possible. Um, I recommend a couple of books that are like called, you know, El Peso Que Mas Pesa y La Cirugía Que Mas Pesa because unfortunately what happens is that people don't go into these surgeries with all the information about what their life will look like in the future. I think malnutrition is like a big thing that we don't talk about. We don't talk about the rest of your life. Your body will not be able to absorb nutrients the way that it could. Um, And also that like you're basically like creating something harmful in someone's body because you think that a fat body is worse than being sick for the rest of your life. You think that those are, you know, and so I would say like, there's more and more people who have studied this and have more information about this. But if like, I don't know, there's a book called health at every size, but if you look at like the list of the things that could, that happen that we know it's like super long and yet we continue yeah. to sell it. Right. Like I said, like, Oh, you should just do it constantly. Right. Like um, again, I believe that in, in, the, in the, the studies have shown that when we focus on creating healthier systems and not weight, we actually do improve, like it is proven. We improve people's health. Yeah. And that's what I want to focus on because like, yeah. Anyways, I mean, the the whole surgery part is like really hard for me to talk about because it's just like, it, 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 it's enraging. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, shift gears. Gordophobia entre las mujeres versus los hombres. Do you spot differences? Obviously we see more marketing towards women to slim down versus men pero hay una hay otras diferencias que maybe we're not seeing. Um, I mean, I think the intersection when you talk about intersectionality, for sure, like if you know, black bodies, black fat bodies, black mm-hmm. trans queer, flat, you know, like the the more intersections of, of different marginalized communities, like the harder and more difficult life is for people. Um, I do believe, of course, like when we talk about misogynia, mis, you know, misogyny mm-hmm. uh, and gordophobia, they're like deeply, deeply, deeply intertwined. When you talk about the origins of fat phobia, you do look at religion and how religion talks wow. about control of women's bodies um, and like how, you know, woman is valued by how much she conforms and follows the rules, right? And so gordo, and the, the fat body is seen as like, you didn't follow the rules, right? Like that sort of like deviant. So for sure, like, 
um, I'm actually, I was working on a podcast for my, for my brand. And I talked to a woman who has a, um, she did like a linguistic study about the word gorda. And she wanted to hear like, is it used for more for women or for men? And like, what are these words that we use to talk about the fat body? And so she discovered that like 75% of the words that we use for gorda, like uh, euphemisms for gorda were for for women and only like 25% were for men. So clearly in digital media, we are talking about fat women way more in ways that like are, you know, like harmful to them. And, and like, I mean, I think there's no better description than the, the Kardashians, right? Yeah. Like here are the Kardashians who like emblemize the, the perfect body. And one, they have, all of them have this terrible body dysmorphia. Like they're not happy with their bodies. Like I want to be like, shake them and be like, just like, let go, like just yeah. be happy. But also, um, you know, they're also subjected to, to, to a lot of this, the same like philosophies of control and commenting the idea that people feel that they get to comment on people's bodies, you know, even if someone's famous, you yeah. know, I can say, you know, <laughs> um, so definitely women are subjected to the wrath of being fat more than men. And, but all people, especially around medical fat phobia, all people who are fat are experiencing more, but I do think Latino people and Latinx people are experiencing more medical fat phobia, black people, you know, we do see those numbers higher because there's this intertwine between fat phobia and racism. And there's actually um, uh, an author, Campos, that, that talks about this, where he, you know, Harvard has a bias study. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. If you look up Harvard and bias study, you can look at how, what your biases you, you have. Yeah. And they've done this study where they look at, like, you know, sexism and homophobia and ableism. Um, and they, and they look at, how has it changed in the last 10 years? Have we changed our ideas around these biases and bigotry? And they discovered that, yes, we have changed. I mean, even though it doesn't disappear racism, but our ideas about it have changed. The one that has not changed, the only one that has increased is fat phobia. Wow. And the theory about this is that because fat phobia now has become this umbrella term where racism lives, you know, ableism lives, like all these other things that we have deemed unacceptable externally we now feel it's totally acceptable under the guise of fat phobia. So for sure, fat phobia is very, like we're still in society, like still advancing it. Although now there's more, there's more awareness about its impact. And I, I do believe that in the next, you know, 10, 15 years, the balance will change. And we will say like, this is not unacceptable. This is it's not okay to discriminate against fat people. Like that's the, that's the basic thing of agoraphobia. We should not discriminate against fat people. Punk. Dang, medium. Thank you so much for this conversation. I kid you not, I am mind blown. You have like just shifted my paradigm and I'm like, okay, quiero pensar las cosas un poquito diferente. Quiero ser un advocate and especially for my young nephew para, para las siguientes generaciones. Si no han cambiado las cosas conmigo, que, es, que cambien para su generación más que nada. You know, and for my future kids who aren't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you have kids and you realize like, you know, what what do you want your kids? This is the thing. When you look at kids and you're like, I want them to have a better future. So la pregunta is, what about you? Mm. You know, you want them to be in the photos. You want them to be happy about their bodies. Okay, haz eso. But what about you? When are you going to be in the photo? When are you going to be like, me voy a poner el bikini? When are you going to be like, I get to exist? And so it actually is like looking, looking at our next generations, but also looking at ourselves and also maybe even our parents. I mean, I, I don't know how much we can change our parents, but like, yeah. The idea of being happy 
and the idea of like knowing you deserve to exist that's kind of the center of school. It's so funny because I mentioned something very similar to to my clients in terms of like the relationship with health more than anything. I say, uno como padre latino, because I also focus more on like Latinos, dice, oye, yo haría todo lo posible por mis hijos, yo mataría por mis hijos. And I'm like, why don't you live for your kids? You know, mm-hmm. you know, and that that being, means being more conscious uh, of of your health more than anything, regardless, como tú bien dices, of body sizes. Being more conscious about your health, that means going to get your general checkups. That's something super important porque nosotros, especialmente como hombres, no queremos ir al doctor because we don't want to hear what we probably already know in terms of health. And that's how a lot of misdiagnosis get, get to happen. But I want to thank you so very much. Si quieres, what is one thing que quisieras que la gente se quedara con el podcast, con este episodio? Um, creo que lo repetí ya muchas veces, pero sí. mira, no tenemos derecho de comentar sobre el cuerpo de otras personas, sean tus hijos, tus parientes. Eh, yo sé que es muy fácil y es muy cómodo, pero puedes practicar. You can practice this, you can practice. Yeah, I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, I noticed something different. But you can practice not saying anything, letting it go. And I'm going to tell you, like, we know that this is the number one having a, bo- a good body image is so important for people's health so be the person that helps promote that in your families not the person that doesn't so contagia like lo decimos contagia amor propio no contagies odio corporal medium where can people find you yeah so i am la gorda feminista in tiktok and instagram and youtube and pinterest wherever you are I also have a website, lagordafeminista.com, and I have a podcast coming out called Gorda Libre, where we're going to talk about kind of all these things that we have been told about that bodies and what does it look like, what is, where is the science, who are we talking to, and all these things. So, um, And also, you can always write to me at Miriam, arroba, lagordafeminista.com, um, because I really believe that there's a lot we can do, and we can share, and we can change. And if you like Encanto, you know that we can break these cycles. We can break these cycles. So let's do it. Thank you so much, Miriam, La Gorda Feminista. <laughs> Please check her out. Y gracias a ti que nos estás escuchando. 